0: Our, our message today comes from a text that may seem at first, at a first look, a little uh, only concerned with the supernatural. But there is much more behind it. It's not only the supernatural that God was uh, concerned with teaching us about here. Uh, there is many more lessons that we can learn. And so before we start, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer. And I will pray that the Lord will lead this uh, message, that this message may find a place in our hearts, and that there will be something that will be a blessing for each and every one of us, uh, regardless of where we are in our spiritual walk with the Lord. So join me as we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this privilege that we have of being here in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we've had the opportunity to worship in, very, in various different ways. We've presented to you our tithes and offerings. We've helped with the specific ministry of this church. We've sung hymns together. And Lord, we've listened to scripture being read. And now, Lord, it is time that we come to study your word. And I ask, Lord, first of all, that you may cleanse me from my unrighteousness, that you may use my lips and anoint them, that I may speak, Lord, and bring the message that you have intended for us this morning. O Lord, in spite of my humanity, I ask that your word may come out alive and be a transforming power that will prompt us into action, that will prompt us into uh, allowing you to effect the changes that are necessary in our lives. For the glory of your name. Lord, I ask that every worshiper that made it here this morning may be greatly blessed. That we may go home uh, feeling spiritually fed and feeling closer to you. May the Holy Spirit be here in our midst. I ask Lord that any distraction may be put aside. That we may focus only and exclusively on your word. Bless this church, Lord, and keep your angels surrounding us, that we may feel your presence every second along the way, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The Lord asks an interesting question to Moses, he says, what's that in your hand? I don't know if you brought anything in your hands today. I know ladies usually bring a purse. That's uh, that's the minimum, maybe that's usual. Uh, you may have brought your Bible with you, which is which is a great thing to do every Sabbath, every time you come to church to bring Scripture. Uh, you may have brought other objects. You may have brought a fan because it's uh, it's hot but the lord is asking moses what do you have in your hand what is it that you have in your hands and moses had a staff he had a rod now this incident happened at a specific point in time in the life of moses you remember that moses had his life spared there was a decree that was issued that every child every male child should be killed and his mother was able to uh, keep him alive and when the time came when they could no longer hide the baby, she put him into a basket in the river. And then the daughter of Pharaoh found Moses in that basket. And she was so uh, charmed with the, boys, with the boy that she said, Well, I'm going to take care of this boy. I'm going to raise him as my own. And she even allowed Moses' mother to, to look after him in his first years. But eventually Moses was taken into the palace of Pharaoh and he was raised as as the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And he had the best education that you could ever imagine someone could ever get. Someone could ever receive in the Eastern world at that time. Egypt was uh, one of the main, if not the main uh, power in the world at that time. And they had the best schools and Moses had the best education. But what he received there was not enough for what God had in mind for them, for him. And so he was taken out of the University of Egypt into the University, the School of Hard Knocks, out there in the wilderness. And there he had to learn God's ways. He had to learn some things, many things that were missing in his character. So that he would be finally able to deliver the people from Egypt To deliver God's people from Egypt. Moses spent 40 years of his life. uh, Most of those 40 years being trained in Egypt. And then he was taken for another 40 years into the wilderness. And now the time of his training. His training period is coming to an end. And the Lord appears to him in the burning bush. You surely remember that experience. Moses was walking by and he sees a bush that burns but never, never really burns out. And he was intrigued by that and he comes closer and the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord says, I have something special for you to do. You're going to deliver my people out of bondage in Egypt. And Moses contends with God. We understand it was actually Jesus who was speaking there. And Moses is contending with Jesus and saying, I'm not, I'm not the one. I cannot be the one. I'm not prepared. I'm not eloquent. I'm hard of speeching. I, I, I can't speak well. There are other people who are more able than I am. But well, the Lord says, uh, you are the one. If there is anyone missing, if you need anything, I will be able to provide. I have all the power. I have everything. You don't need to fear. But Moses in several occasions. writing Exodus chapter 3 verse 11. He says. Who am I Lord? That I should go unto Pharaoh. And that I should bring forth the children of Israel. A of Egypt. Who am I? I've been living 40 years in the wilderness. Pharaoh is a powerful man. He has all the power in this world. Moses says in Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. Oh my God, I'm not eloquent, neither here to four, nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I'm slow of speech, and I'm slow, and I have a slow tongue. But God says, no, you are the one, you are the man. And in Exodus 6, 12, Moses says, I am someone of uncircumcised lips no one really circumcises their lips. But I think he was saying, you know, I can't really work well together with speaking and speech. I'm not good at that, Lord. But the Lord says, no, you are the one. But think about the Lord's question. Let's go back here to Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. So follow again with me, Exodus 4, verses 1 through to 4. The Moses answered and said, But suppose that they will believe me, not they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So Moses was trying to find all kinds of excuses. He said, I can't speak well. I, I'm not as powerful as Pharaoh. Who am I? And now he comes with this, Lord, and what if? What if you insist I'm the one? What if I go to my own people? And I tell them that you have appeared to me. That you have entrusted me with a mission. What if they don't believe me? And what if they tell me, no you're lying. The Lord has not appeared to you. And so the Lord said to him in verse 2. What is that in your hand? And Moses said, A rod. And God said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand again. And so the Lord asks him, what is it in your hand? What is it that you have in your hand? And the question that the Lord asks Moses at that point, in spite of all the excuses that Moses was trying to give him, God's question reveals his reasonableness. Reveals how God is reasonable in his demands. How God is reasonable in his call. Because he's willing to use whatever you already have in your hands. God is not asking of you something that he hasn't given you in the first place to begin with. So God was willing to use Moses' occupational tool, his staff, his rod. You know that Moses was there 40 years in the wilderness with his, uh, uh, with his future. At this point he was already his father-in-law, Jethro. And he was tending the sheep of Jethro and he used the staff the rod to tend the sheep and God is asking him what do you have in your hand and Moses says it's a rod this is my occupational tool this is my my tool part of my tool work and the Lord says so cast it on the ground so the Lord is you is willing to use whatever you already have the Lord is willing to use your occupational tools The Lord is willing to use your occupational skills. But remember that once Moses declared that he had a staff, he had a rod, and the Lord said, cast it on the ground. From that moment on, Moses' rod became God's rod. It was no longer his, effectively. Because the Lord was going to do with that staff something that Moses was never able to do it himself. Before that, Moses could have cast his rod, his staff on the ground a hundred times. A thousand times. Ten thousand times. And nothing would have happened. But when God told him to do that, it became God's instrument. Whatever Moses had became now God's. It was no longer the common staff he had to work there as a shepherd in the land of Midian with Jethro. It now became the emblem of redeeming power. Moses' staff and Aaron's, his his brother's staff, became powerful tools in the hand of God. With his staff, Moses performed miracles. With With his staff, Moses caused the eighth And the ninth plague to happen. Directly with the use of his staff. With his staff, Moses and Aaron were able to to, uh, overcome the counterfeit miracles of Pharaoh's uh, guessers, wizards. Sorcerers. Moses was able to overcome them. Because God... Was now using his rod as his own, as God's own. God in many occasions, on many occasions in the Bible. He has used common tools. Common tools as something that can work powerfully. God has in past times used David's sling. Remember that? David was facing Goliath, the giant. And the only thing that David had, because he had refused to wear uh, Saul's armor. It was too heavy, too big for him. And so he went forth with only his slingshot. His ling. And the, and the, and the pebbles, I guess we say, right in English. The pebbles. Pebbles, that's how we say. That's what he had. And the Lord used that to defeat the, to defeat the giant, Goliath. It was not in David's power, it had now become God's tool to overcome the enemy. God used Elisha's stick. God used a jawbone in the hands of Samson. God used Peter's fishing hook to effect miracles. Whatever we possess. Whatever we have must be used in the service of God to become His symbol of power. You know, we all have some talent. We all have some gifts. We all have gifts which if consecrated to God can be used powerfully. Can become a potential tool for the salvation of souls. And so today God is also speaking to us. God is asking you and I, what is it in your hand? Well, for some people it can be money. What do you have in your hands? Lord, I have have money. Money that you have provided me with. And so God wants to use that. For the growth of His cause here on earth. And for the salvation of souls. Maybe you don't have money. Maybe you have some special gift that you can do with your hands. Maybe you are a handyman. Maybe you are a handywoman. Maybe you are gifted with your hands. And the Lord asked, what do you have in your hands? Lord, I have this ability to sew. I have this ability to, this ability to, to build something. I have the ability to, to construct things. I have the ability to paint I have the ability to do this or to do that. And the Lord is saying, it's going to become a powerful tool if you allow me to use that. And I'm going to use whatever you have. What is it in your hand? Lord, I can sing. I'm not the best singer, but I'm not the worst either. And so the Lord wants to use that. And it's no longer your voice, it is no longer your own gift, it is God's tool for the salvation of others what is it in your hand Lord I don't have much but I have a nice smile that once I smile at people they tell me that it's a blessing that they've been blessed Lord I don't have much this is all I have and the Lord says okay from now on it's not going to be your own smile it's going to be my tool for the blessing and salvation of others. What is it in your hand? Lord, I have no hands. Lord, I have no limbs. You probably know of a man who has no arms and no legs. He is now only 35 years old. He's an Australian evangelist, an Australian preacher, and motivational speaker. His name is Nicholas. Voy, uh, and he goes around the world and he speaks at schools. And some of our children maybe never saw him alive but may have seen video clips of him speaking. He was born with a rare disease. It, it is said that currently, people who study that currently in the entire world, with the, it's more than 7 billion people. There are less than 10 people that have that rare disease that rare syndrome it is called tetra amelia syndrome and those people who are affected by that syndrome are born without arms without legs this man Nick Vujicic he had two feet one was severely damaged the other the doctors were able to uh, operate and he uses one of his feet To turn pages, to uh, 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 use his phone, his devices. And it's with his feet that he operates all of that. And Nick Wojcic goes around the world speaking. When the Lord asks him, or when the Lord asks him, what you have in your hand. He didn't have a hand to say, Lord, I have this or I have that. But he had his brain. He had his mouth he had skills and all of that he has put into the service of the lord and it has become god's tools here are some things that nick Voicich says don't put your life on hold so that you can dwell on the unfairness of past hurts some injuries heal more quickly if you keep moving Well, we have a medical doctor here in the house. We have a few nurses. And it is true, some injuries will heal more quickly if you put yourself into action. If you keep moving, don't stop and dwell on those those things, on those hurts. You should never live according to what you lack. You should live according to what you have and what the Lord can do for you. There is one thing better, there is one thing better than going to heaven. It is encouraging at least one person to go to heaven with you. And so the Lord is, is today again speaking to us: What is it that you have? What is in your hand? It is no time for you to come with excuses anymore. Because every single excuse every single excuse that Moses could have come up with and he did the Lord said it's not an excuse it is you that I want and whatever you have those tools they are going to become mine God is very reasonable in what he asks if you don't have limbs if you don't have a hand, a physical hand, God will use whatever ha- else you have. Yes. But on the other hand, I want you to go away today with, uh, with this message. That you surely have something that God has given you. And God does not expect you to use that which you do not possess. But on the other hand, God asks us to use that which we have. And He expects us to use that which we have. There is a parable in the Bible. In the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. And I want you to to go there with me. And we are going to read this. You'll be coming to the end of this message. Matthew 25 verse Beginning in verse 14. This is a well-known story that Jesus told. A well-known parable. It is found in Matthew chapter 25. Ver- beginning in verse 14. Once you have gotten there, you, you'll say amen. Then I'll know that we are ready to go. Amen. So we'll, we'll read that. Matthew 25 beginning in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. To another two and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Let me pause here quickly. Because the Bible is saying that to each he gave according to their own ability. So everyone, everybody, every person here who can hear my voice has at least some ability. At least one gift. No one has come to this world without any ability. We all have ability to do something. And so he gave according to their ability. And in verse 16, Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents likewise he who had received two gained two more also but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lord's money now after a long time the lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying lord you delivered to me five talents look i have gained five more talents besides them And his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of your lord verse 22 he also who had received two talents came and said lord you delivered to me two talents look i have gained two more talents besides them his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of the lord now is two as many as five is no two is less isn't it two is less however if you pay attention you see that the words of the lord to that one who had received five were the same words to the one who received two they both were considered to have received few things in verse 21 the lord is speaking to the to that one servant who received five talents and he says in verse 21 well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things the lord is always reasonable And those are the same words he said to the one who received two he said you have been faithful over a few things i'll make you ruler over many things sometimes we look at someone who seems to be more gifted than we are and we say well that person has a bigger responsibility they have best gifted by god i have not been as well gifted i received only two talents The Lord looks upon us, whether you have five or two or five hundred gifts, He still will say, you have been faithful over a few things. And you are going to be ruler over many things. Whatever I have asked you to do is just a few, is just little. Whatever I have entrusted you to do is just little. Now, because you have been faithful, you are going to be ruler over many things. He asks you just a little, just a little of what you have, so that He eventually can put you as ruler over many things. One day, one day if you are faithful in the little things that God has given you to do, the Bible says that you will be entrusted with judging even those who, who are not faithful to God. You have the opportunity to sit with Jesus in his judgment seat and go over the records of the universe and see how God has been fair. Such a huge honor will be given to you if you are faithful over just a few things. Whether five or two, I insist, it's just a few things. It's just little things that the Lord is asking you to do. Now I ask you, do you think that the the Lord would have said the same thing to the one who received one talent if he had traded with it? The Lord would have said the same thing. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Because whether one or two or five, it's just a little that the Lord is asking of you. But then in verse 24... The story continues, "...he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours." But but his Lord answered and said to him, "...you wicked and lazy servant." You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have the deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. That would have been the bare minimum, at least the interest. Verse 28 Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from he who does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. Now think about this. He's saying, from him who does not have. And I ask you a question. Who, who has ever come to this world without having anything? Nobody, nobody. We saw that everyone received according to their own ability. So we all have come to this world with something. With some gift. With some ability. But the point comes where those who have not used their gifts. Will have lost them. And then they will have nothing. And the Lord says, For him, from him who does not have anything, even what he has will be taken away and in verse 30 and cast the unprofitable servant into the altar darkness there will be whipping and gnashing of teeth so here you have two choices you can be cast out for weeping to 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 spend your time weeping and gnashing your teeth Or you can be made ruler over many things along with Jesus Christ the Lord. And it all hangs on your decision whether or not to use your talents, use your gifts. What is it in your hand? I don't know the many gifts you have. I don't know all of them. I know some gifts that some people have. But this is the Lord asking you, this is not the pastor, this is not the nominating committee, this is not the church, this is not the elders asking you, the Lord is asking you today, what is it in your hand, what do you have in your hand? Give it to me, and it's going to become now my tool for the salvation of others. And this is just what the Lord is asking you, it's just a little... He's asking you that you be faithful over just a few things. That He may may make you ruler over many things. And I'll repeat this as I close. The Lord is not expecting you to use that which you do not have. He will always give you what He expects you to use. But He does expect you. He does require you to use that which you have. So may the Lord bless us today that we will be faithful servants, giving back to Him that which He has given us. Sometimes we may be tempted to use our gifts to many causes, for many causes. And some of them are worthy, and that's fine. The Lord expects us to use our gifts for the benefit of others. But sometimes we may be tempted to use our gifts only for our own pleasure. Whatever that gift may be, it could be music, it could be the ability to write well, it would be mastery of the English language, and you can write so well, you can speak so well, and you may be tempted to use that for your own glory. Maybe you have the gift of acting. Maybe you have the gift of portraying characters in a drama. You may be tempted to use that for your own pleasure. But the Lord is saying, whatever you have, I want to use it. I want to make it a powerful tool for the salvation of others. May the Lord bless you today and always as you give back to Him. Amen.